Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Human Factors Cast. It's January 9th, 2020. Foresight's 2020 now, because it's 2020. My name's Nick Rome. I'm joined today by my good friend and yours... Bringing in the new year, Mr. Blake Arnsdorf. Here we go into the new year. Doesn't it sound strange to say 2020? It sounds like sometime in the future. It sounds really strange to say 2020. Um, how was uh, how was your break? Oh man, it was it was okay. It was pretty good. Uh, I stayed uh, I stayed back a, a good bit, so it was just me and the pup hanging out for you know Christmas and, and until New Year's. Um, but it was fun. We like we goofed off, and I enjoyed spending a lot of time with the dog. Bought him like Christmas gifts for him to open and that kind of silly stuff. Uh, but it was a did good he, time. Did he, in fact, open them? Like, by himself? oh, he did too. Because like Elise had gotten in this, like, uh, it's like it's called BarkBox. So he has a problem where he just destroys every toy that we get him within like thirty seconds. So we tried to get him some some harder cho- toys to break up. So when the box came, I just cut the tape off the box and gave him the box and just let him rip the whole thing open. So it was it was hilarious to watch <laughs> and to show Elise. I'm glad you had a good break. Uh, yeah, man. My- How was yours? I, it was good. It was good. I got to spend a lot of time with the boy and um, and my partner, and it was it was pretty good. We we just spent a lot of time together, and it was time much needed, because uh, like I, I don't know, there's this whole concept of like the third tri or fourth trimester, where you know the first three months after baby's born, um, they still need a lot of care and attention, and I I'll I'll go into it a little bit, uh, but I'm I'm gonna save most of the like. What I did over the break for next week when we have time for a lot of the banter, um, but uh, you know it's it's interesting now because instead of just peeing, pooping, sleeping, he's uh, now doing those things, but also needs like mental attention. So you need to engage with him, and you know it's it's kind of difficult to you know figure out what exactly is going to stimulate him in the way that's going to uh, both encourage him to like feel different textures or like you know grasp different objects it's interesting um so yeah it's it's a lot of uh seeing baby kind of uh advance some through some of those milestones over the break which was it was really nice that's pretty incredible man i love to hear that stuff from you it's always interesting to listen to yeah well anyway uh i'm sure i'll have plenty of that to talk about over the next year uh 2020 like you said, we are living in the future now. Uh, but before we start 2020 proper, I do want to take kind of a look back at 2019. Um, this show is going to be a little different from uh, most of our other shows around the beginning of the new year or end of the prior year or end of the year. I guess we kind of do these recap shows where we go through every news story Um of the year and we just talk about them in the context of like what panned out, what didn't. And, you know, I thought we'd do something a little different this year. I I almost think that going through every news story is a little much. Uh, And I don't know how much value it adds to our listeners, but I feel like, um, you know, if we just kind of go through our news stories and kind of pick out ones that we had a good time talking about um, or, you know, want to revisit, I think that's a good plan for this initial jump. Um, so I think that's that's the plan for today. Uh, before we jump into the first one, I do want to mention we will have some announcements next week on the show. Um, 
kind of not really big. They're just uh, they're, they're just some changes going on behind the scenes that uh, we want to make sure you're aware of uh, and be transparent about. So, um, you know, some announcements next week. Stay tuned, I guess. And, uh, you know, if you haven't already, now is a great time to go review on uh, <laughs> on your podcast medium of choice. Go ahead and, you know, give us a review. Uh, if you're listening on some other platform, like, subscribe, all that stuff. That all is super super helpful uh, for reasons that we will talk about next week. But anyway, okay, Blake, I do want to jump into these. So, let's go ahead and get started with our kind of recap of our favorite stories of 2019. Go ahead, Blake. Go ahead and start us off. So this is kind of my favorite, one of my favorite stories, but it's more of like, where is this thing? So back in like January 4th, 2019, we talked about the fact that one of the bigger grocery stores, Kroger, had actually started pilot testing and having active autonomous vehicles delivering groceries out in, I think, Arizona, because that seems to be the best test bed for every autonomous vehicle there ever was. But I couldn't believe that this hasn't gotten a little bit bigger or been expanded into different you know, states. We haven't really heard anything else come out of this in the full year. Um, so this was more of, I'm bummed that I can't order my groceries from Vons down the street and have them delivered immediately by a robot. By a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. We've seen a couple other companies do this, and um, it, it, I, I don't know where it's at either. I know there's still a lot of testing going on like in the bay area i for sure know people who have encountered these uh robots that are delivery bots yeah and a good friend of mine actually is that's what he does for his job is actually does the in, in terms of like rope like autonomous vehicles that are delivery services like they i guess part of the pilot testing phase you have to drive with them so he's one of those people that's basically driving with the autonomous vehicle at night to like get it used to the road or used to the mapping of the road ah uh, so I wonder if they're like the process. The process sounds like it's just really, really long, especially in like a metropolitan area like San Francisco. Yeah. All right. I'm going to jump into this next one here. So uh, we talked about this on the or this. We're going through our Slack right now. This this dropped on our Slack on the 18th, uh, and this was the um, the article about Amazon building these vests that improve robot and worker interactions. So the long story short of it is that the workers in their warehouses are wearing these um, these vests and, and these robots then will know basically uh, where the humans are uh, in an effort to kind of avoid them. Which I thought was kind of cool and, and uh, an interesting um, I don't know, an interesting application of human-robot interaction. Definitely, yeah. I mean, that's a major player, I think, throughout the entire year also, too. And to kind of keep in keep in line with kind of the car themes and also thinking about, like, how you deal with people interacting with intense spaces. So this was awesome to me, and I, I hope it's still, like, in process for some of these companies. I know Ford was using it. But on January 30th, 2019, we broke down a story of that Ford was actually letting some of its designers build their cars in VR, like instead of doing some of the concept drawings and stuff like that, that's usually done paper based. They were doing it straight up in VR technology, like being able to use components and parts that are modeled based off of their current cars and then current upcoming components that are being released. And I just loved this story because it was again we've talked a lot, a lot about on the show how awesome VR is and its applications, but we I feel like still even in the VR space you get stuck in the ah oh, that's really for video games type of thing. But in this case, we're actually seeing an application of something that's leading to the design of a new piece of tech. So it's great. Yeah, I thought I thought there were a couple really interesting applications of VR throughout the year, and this was one of them for sure. Um, I'm jumping back to January 25th um, because I saw something that 
was interesting. You know me, and if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that I am kind of a big proponent of let's integrate everything into like one user interface to kind of be the um, the end all be all, right? If you will. So uh, Facebook was looking to integrate WhatsApp, Instagram, and Messenger, but I'm not sure if they ever did that. Um, so I, I just it's something that I wanted to call out as like there's a need to integrate all these services um, and looks like facebook's doing and facebook <laughs> they had a rough year but you know it's uh it's it's fun to see that they had a plan <laughs> yeah <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> got they got yeah. all that privacy stuff going on and and political ads and all that stuff so um yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean that's a that's a scary one right because we had so many weird things going on with it with facebook this year but the fact that they were trying to build like some kind of other aggregator is like it's very interesting, right? Um, so they hit. I'm kind of having a, a harder time across like January, so I've jumped in a little bit to February to That's the fine. to the 11th. So this one this one was more of like blowing my mind at the time, and a lot of it also also has to do with the the way the titles put together. But so this was the Gizmodo article that was talking about the army thinks their new rifle will be like an iPhone. Or nah, you have took fe- one of them from me. Yeah, it would ha- <laughs> or it would have actual features kind of like the iPhone does. Um, but in battle rifle style, so I just thought that was a crazy innovation of like again, let's let's and we've heard story, we've heard a lot of stories throughout the year of like how are we gonna amalgamate AR VR sensing technology, whatever it may be, into soldiers, and so this was another kind of like kickoff for the year about that. Yeah, um, so I'm jumping back to January here. There's a January 25th article about uh, Britain's Gatwick Airport. Uh, experimenting with robot valets to park cars. <laughs> and it's just this little uh, robot attachment that uh, is kind of like a tow truck that uh, you park your car in a garage, the garage closes and locks, and then this um, this valet comes in, basically picks up your car, and is able to store it next to um, a couple of other cars. And because all these robots are presumably working in tandem, they can summon your car when you get out of the airport uh, fairly quickly. And I thought this was a really unique concept because you can stack them very close, especially if you know the dimensions of the vehicles that you're carrying. Um, you can be you can stack multiple of these kind of in a row without any issues. And, and because it's computer, there's uh, you, you can store them closer to each other because no one has to open up the doors. Um, there's a lot of benefits to something like this, and I'm, I'm curious to see where the technology is now. Absolutely, yeah, that was a pretty awesome kind of bout to try out for sure. So I'm I'm still actually stuck in the 11th of February because this this was like a big year. I felt like for us reading about either legislation being passed or be or like ethical yeah. guidelines being created, and it kind of kicks off off in February where there's a bunch of companies that are kind of concerned with the regulation of their own technology. Uh, this the header of this one is really focusing on Amazon trying to regulate itself over its fa- facial recognition software. But the article itself talks about the fact that Microsoft's trying to get in that game as well. And so they were really feeling like there needs to be some regulation with what do we do with this data? How do I transmit it? Am I able to give it to people? Can we be selling this kind of stuff? Um, so I think it was just a, an interesting year for you know putting really intense technology like AI or like facial recognition before Congress and trying to see what are you going to do in terms of regulation. And as we've heard before, it seems like there's more and more need and more and more people in the human factors community getting involved in this kind of regulatory stuff. Yeah, you do bring up a good point. I think uh, this was a great year for some of the um, 
some of the legislation and at least just thinking about how to uh, how to regulate some some of these issues that we're running into, especially as it especially with AI as it starts to you know come out of the infancy phase and more into a mature uh, development cycle. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, my next one here is actually from February. I'm just let's just say the month. We're gonna go in rough chronological order here. What we're doing is Blake and I are kind of scanning through, so there might be some jumping back. So let's just say the month. Uh, this was back in February. Doctors are zapping the brains of awake brain surgery patients to make them laugh and have fun. And I just thought this was a a good kind of fun neuroscience uh article to talk about because. You know, the more we understand the brain, the more interesting things we can do. And this one was just so surreal to like see people's uh, their fake react, their genuine reactions to fake stimuli, which is, or I guess, the real stimuli. But they're they're not laughing because they saw something funny. They're laughing because someone's tickling their brain, and that's just so interesting to me. It's pretty crazy, right? I mean, <laughs> the fact that you can have somebody doing basically open brain surgery and then poke the right part of your brain and you know, just start yep. giggling is crazy. Is that tickle? <laughs> ah, it hurts. <laughs> uh, man, right. So keeping aligned with both VR and the medical concept. So this this product from, I think it's called Metaviz. So this is, again, in February. Launched its aug- augmented reality platform for surgical planning. And this will be interesting to go through the rest of the year because I feel like we talked a lot about surgical planning either in VR and AR throughout the year. But this concept was just, again, a really great kind of moving th- moving the ball forward and getting AR and VR into, you know, industry outside of, you know, video games or applications on your phone. Or because we know that like Amazon released some, some AR applications related to some of its furniture stuff and same thing with Ikea. But this was getting much closer to, okay, what can this technology be used for or grow into for some serious purpose? And so this planning for surgeons was pretty a, a great first place to see this being used. Yeah, for sure. Uh, still in February here. Uh, and also, wait, did you just talk about the surgical planning for the with the Medviz? Yes. Yeah, okay, so that was mine. Uh, <laughs> I had that too. But I do have the DARPA smart bandages. Those were neat. Um, so basically these bandages here uh, basically have a bunch of built-in technology to sort of make sure like a, like a drug administration um, systems for painkillers and, uh, you know, shearing, like it detects shearing force um, and it'll be able to like distribute painkillers. I thought this was a really interesting uh, piece of technology, especially for warfighters out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So jumping down a little bit further into February, I always get excited when we when I think about like nanotechnology, and so this was actually one that came out from MIT. It looks like that the smart pills were filled with these tiny needles that could inject medicine directly into your stomach. And so just this proliferation of being able to put robots not only in the world that you live in, but somehow in your body itself to kind of help either heal it or help make things better is just an incredible set of tech to me. Um, with a lot, a lot of kind of barriers to entry, right? Because there's, there's of course like the FDA type of testing, but also how do you promote any kind of acceptance across people with this kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I don't know how. The, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's a tough copy. problem to face for sure. It, that was definitely an open-ended question. If you would like to answer it, you can always hit us up in Slack. <laughs> and let us I was, know. <laughs> 
I was trying to answer it, Blake, and that's all the commentary I had was, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you make people feel comfortable with robots, much less yeah. robots in your body? Hey, do you remember that article about the uh, engineer who made gloves that basically turned sign language into audible speech? I, I thought that don't. was a cool one. That sounds amazing. That was a cool article we talked about. So this is uh, basically a glove that, um, you know, as you make sign language with your hand, it detects the motions and converts it into audible speech that then can be heard by uh, other people. So if you're signing to a deaf person, other people in the room can hear your conversation, which you may or may not want. But uh, it's it's still a cool piece of technology. Um, You know, and I think we saw another story a little later down that was uh, using basically... um, Oh, what was it? It was a, a, a computer vision using AI to determine what people were saying in uh, in sign language, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That came a couple of months later, I believe. Yeah, it did. But it, So this is one I've been after for a long time, Nick, and I don't really know if it's ever going to become a thing, but we, we read a story, and it's, it'll probably come up later, about Uber potentially dro- dropping off meals like with drones. And oh, this, yes. And this particular yes. story made me think that maybe it's a closer reality than I thought, because this is NASA talking about how close it is to finalizing its drone traffic control system for cities. And this this was back when the last flight tests were actually being done in Nevada and Texas. But I'm hoping that, I don't know, hoping 2020 it feels and sounds futuristic enough, maybe this is the year that we really see UAS in the national airspace system at a level of like Amazon or Uber delivering things to people. I don't know. But I'm Man, hopeful. I, I really do hope so. I, I I've been <laughs> I've been looking forward to this for a long time, man. Like as soon as we can get McDonald's delivered by drone at work, let's do it. Because <laughs> you know, we've been talking about this for a while. We Yeah, we I wanted to like see what it would look like or how it would go. Right. Yeah, and even even you know, you even went as far as like, hey, let's talk to the Uber driver that's going to be sitting as a landing platform initially in these, you know, initial trials. They're basically having Uber drivers drive out to these locations and act as kind of landing platforms for the drones and they will do like the last step of um of the delivery uh but yeah even going as far as talking to them to see kind of what their uh what the user experience or or you know that kind of thing is behind the scenes for this type of uh interaction absolutely if that thing turns drone. out to be real i'm gonna ask them if we can like follow them on a on a trip one time just to see it actually land on top of the car or wherever it lands. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, is it my turn? It's my oh, turn. Oh, it's your turn. <laughs> uh, there was this interesting article about Audi helping you avoid red lights by suggesting speeds. And I thought this was interesting because, you know, a lot of, t- a lot of time, a-, a lot of gas is spent idling. And so if you, if, if a system can plug into the grid, right. And this is, uh, I don't know if this actually plugs into the grid or if it, um, just uses, uh, I think it does. I'm not sure. We're, we're looking at these things all on the surface, folks. But the, the point is, if you can suggest a speed that will reduce the amount of time spent idling, uh, I think that's both safer and more economical in the long run. And so I'm happy to see these pieces of technology out there, right? Like, I would love to just go to work uh, in the morning without hitting every red light and just making making sure I feel like I'm making progress, you know, versus stop, go, stop, go. So, 
And that's kind of cool that it's like it's not only just the the technology aspect of it solving like a common problem of you know maybe I'll get to work quicker or whatever, but something that's focused on the environment because I think that's that's an area where we don't see a whole lot yeah. of typical innovation. So that's awesome to kind of combine the two, and I hope more technologies do that over the next year. Yeah, what's up next for you? All right, so Cigna and Centera Healthcare joins IBM's blockchain health utility network. So I totally forgot about this this project in general, which is basically IBM trying to help and be the aggregator of all these different data systems that are related to healthcare. So basically being able to share your electronic information in a safe way. And man, I really hope that we hear more about this over the next you know year of course but five to ten five years or so because i really had i had a problem recently that i won't dive into details of there was a lot of data that had been collected on me across different medical systems but i had no way of accessing it in a timely manner in a in one place when i needed to because I, I had run into a, a specific health issue but had no way of proving some of the my history um, so something like this where you can you're not only aggregating but providing safe access to a lot of these companies would be an awesome kind of win for health the health care community as a whole yeah for sure for sure uh, my next story here is the NASA close to finalizing its drone traffic control system for cities uh, I think this is the one that talked about sort of the different layers of uh the drones um and you know kind of they chose nevada and texas as the testing grounds uh for some of it so i thought that was an interesting article worth going back to check out not much more commentary other than it was interesting i liked it it was one of my favorites of the year yeah it definitely again it like really got me stoked about the fact that UAS could really be one integrated in the NAS for a lot of like big security things such as, you know, for police or for like we've talked about the emergency drones that could be like dropping down and giving somebody heart respiration or something like that. But also too, Amazon and Uber coming to your door. Um, yep. So this one's from March and I, I don't really have a giant amount to say about it, but it's, it's something that I know is going to be coming up throughout the next few years as we talk about this kind of stuff. But this is about valve psychologists that were going, that were diving into exploring brain computer interfaces. Uh, and this, I think this came out of like one of the, one of the big conferences for the year, but I think this BCI technology is only going to get bigger and bigger as time goes on. And, People like video game companies that are looking into it, I think that has a really good aspect of how you would apply that kind of stuff because they're, they're already digging into VR and now they're kind of employing the right kind of neuroscientists or psychologists to see how you integrate that into like a whole system, including your brain. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, up next, I have uh, Google unveiling Stadia. <laughs> this is back in March. Um, so Stadia has gotten a lot of flack. Um, I have been a supporter of Stadia. I think I've been fair on it. I think it, you know, is, uh, it works and there, but I do have some criticisms of the system. I think it's, it was interesting to see, you know, this whole technology piece of, of streaming these applications that are very hardware intensive. In this case, it's video games, but you can imagine something else, right? Like, can you imagine, uh, someday where you have to edit video, but, your computer like your chromebook or whatever can't handle it and so you like basically rent it out from a server farm with a much more powerful computer that you're able to do this technology with so uh also thinking about uh rendering virtual reality right we we talked about virtual reality and it's it's many applications to various uh fields and if you could render the image 
and in a in a uh, in a separate location with a much more powerful machine and 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 send that image to the VR headset and the the latency issue um, with vision right like if uh, that at least in my experience latency has been fine but it it it's interesting when you think about it in like a VR setting right um, so that's the future though right we'll get there we'll, internet will always get faster we're there's no way it can get worse unless, you know, we have some sort of apocalypse. But I'm, I pulled this story because I thought the application beyond video gaming is going to be huge with this type of technology. And I think, you know, because the market's there for video games, we'll see it there first. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think the the video game thing from Google's perspective, and this maybe leads back to why it makes sense the way that the launch went and stuff like that, or them not being yeah. ready for onboarding. I think it's meant to be a test bed. I, I think that I feel like that's what's going on here. Maybe. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of like how do you? I, I'm sure they have really smart people over there that figuring out how to market it and how to basically make money off of streaming things other than video games because why would you invest so much money into a technology like this uh, i mean the video gaming industry is a very large market don't get me wrong but um i feel like there's other applications out there too absolutely all right so this is back in Mar towards the end of march this is like my favorite line of storytelling it tends to be like how you aid people through the introduction of technology in their lives and this was using it basically a robot and putting in somebody's house so robot eyes aid people with profound motor impairments so this was the instance where they were actually giving somebody a robot and they had some kind of some ailment where they either weren't able to walk or weren't able to do some of the chores around the house that you know a normal able-bodied person would and this just even from the quote that itself, I mean, the fact that it was actually a system that was liberating somebody or providing that independence that they maybe had feel like they had lost over time. So stories like that were really part of my big highlight throughout the year. But this one about like putting robots, robot eyes in people's houses was awesome. Oh, yes, yes. I Yeah, I do remember that story. Um, one of the stories I pulled is no longer there, but we'll go ahead and do this one. Um Google brain implants could mean the end of school as anyone will be able to learn anything instantly. And I think this is a dramatic uh, statement here. I think, you know, we're still really far off from that. But, um, you know, there was an article about this earlier this year about they're thinking about using that technology and, and trying to integrate it into uh, into humans. And I think this is one of the episodes where we had an ethical conversation, maybe. Oh, do we have but one of those philosophical debates about ethics? Maybe, maybe. Oh, my goodness. What in the world are we doing? Oh, man. So the, it's almost like we're just two bros just trying to. We're just know, bro out, man. That's just what we're, we're just, doing here. We're just two bros trying to represent the field of human factors. You know, no big. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so okay, we, we had a lot of problems with Facebook throughout the year, of course, with the security problems and the breach and stuff like that. But this was an interesting article from actually, I think this came out in April. And it was talking about tracking phones, but it was more so related to Google and the amount of location data that it's collecting and transmitting about you, no matter if you're using the applications, if you're using the Android phone, and how actually that tech giant was not just collecting all that data and kind of storing it for itself to increase its products or whatever, but it was actually giving it to police. And I, I'm sure, and I think we did have a pretty interesting philosophical conversation about, well, does that really make sense? Can you possibly be like breaking laws there? But it's it's one of these things where it 
you could fall either side of the fence, but I think it's something worth talking about and good to see publicized in you know larger uh, publications like the New York Times. Just so just so that people are aware of it, like just the fact that all that data collected can go somewhere and people do use it outside of even the companies that collect it. Yeah. Uh, U.S. Army shows how it will use its HoloLens in the field. So this is a cool article, um, you know, about how the Army is going to use uh, this. It's a augmented reality HoloLens is uh, where basically they're they're anticipating thousands and thousands of shoulders could be using this IVAS system by 2022 and 2023 um, that would be able to provide them information such as the gate, like where's gaze and heart rate, uh, like coaching instructions for soldiers on their aim, room clearing techniques, you know, that kind of thing. So there's, there's a lot of different applications that this can use. Uh, and this article kind of broke down how the U S army, uh, will use it. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome, man. Okay. So we talked a little bit about in the in the start of this, like the the integration of UAS into the NASP, facial recognition, basically the fact that at some point, if not already through your phone at least, there's going to be a lot of data collection happening. So one story that really stood out to me this year was talking about from Sidewalk Labs actually having street signs that alerted people to the types of data collection that was in ah, use in the place I had that you were that one. at. I had that one too. Yeah, it's it's just a really it's an interesting idea because I think at the time I still even felt very naive to like what is this really about? Do we really need this? Does it make sense? But I feel like that time is getting closer and closer where it's not going to be so much a, a matter of is data being collected on you as you're out and about at the grocery store or whatever. It's more so of like what data is what being data? collected. Yeah. Um, so seeing stuff like this is very informative and stuff to be looking out for in the future, and I'm sure it has a lot of applications implications for like how do you display these kind of things where do you put it how do you make sure you know people knows what it, know what it means by just looking at it quickly um yeah, yeah i do awesome i story. do i do want to kind of jump in on this one too because i had it too uh and like just to give you some idea of what this what these symbols look like right you might have like a an icon for sound right and it'll say sound de-identified uh, or identifiable sound or image identified or image de-identified. So it'll give you both a color, either black, blue, or yellow, and it will give you some symbol that indicates what data is being collected on you. And I think the most severe is probably the yellow, especially with all the privacy concerns, right? If you were doing um, identifiable voice, you know, if you, to be careful what you say because they'll be able to identify who said what and when. And um, that can be very valuable in, in cases like uh, in law, right? In the courtroom. Um, yeah, I murdered this person, right? Like that would be, uh, you know, That'd be admissible and, evidence, yeah. Exactly, right? So I think, I think uh, I would love to see these out and about personally. That's just my two cents. Well, I think it's coming. And I mean, I would rather be informed about what's being collected on me while I'm out and about than not. Yes, I agree. Um, all right, so my next one here. Uh, along, we had a lot of healthcare stories this this year. I think um, you know, as as we go on, our integration with uh, or, or collaboration with uh, HFES and especially the healthcare symposium uh, grows and grows and grows. So we have kind of a, a, a larger um, uh, range of of uh, 
what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? We have a we have a a higher acceptance criteria of of healthcare related stories for the show, uh, and this one was really interesting because thinking about um, these in home assistants like uh, Amazon Solution, which I will not say the name of because I don't want to trigger anybody's, uh, but they Amazon came out with the first HIPAA compliant skills to help track your healthcare, and HIPAA compliance is is kind of a big deal, and I thought. Uh, this was a good thing to kind of highlight that that we're kind of on that way to, uh, you know, providing permission for HIPAA compliance uh, in these other types of uh, data collection mediums. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a great use of kind of that. That's I'm not going to say the name just to, again, but just because that's out there, it's an Amazon product people have in their house. It's a great thing that you could actually use in industry. Speaking of Amazon, though, this is one that still sits in the back of my mind is how off, how far away is this before this happens? So this is from April, and it's Amazon's system for tracking its warehouse workers can automatically fire them. I, oh, yeah. I remember this one. <laughs> this Jeez. Is, like, it even mentions in the blurb that this is like, this feels like something out of sci-fi, but it truly does at the same time with the amount of data collection that's going on in the world. You would assume that it might be being used to kind of assess how you're doing at work, because I know it's not happening necessarily today, but at some point I would feel like there's going to be a lot more data collection about like what you're doing in your office, how much work you're getting done based off of what the computer's picking up, like the applications that you're using, that kind of stuff. I mean, there's there's definitely at least, you know, analysis of what Microsoft products you're using in a day that you get to your email. So I feel like although we kind of laughed at this and then I also felt a little bit bad that like Amazon's system could just be firing people without say, without like putting them in front of a human. I feel like it's it's more of the case of what will be in the future that you'll have these systems that are tracking how you perform. And if you're not performing at a certain level, you could end up with no job. Yeah. Uh, it's scary technology when when you think about there's got to be some supervisory control that's that's my two cents is that there has to be there has to be right there has to be absolutely you hope there is uh uh yeah i would hope but there has to be um that's my two cents uh there's this uh back in where am i i'm still in april too so this syringe watch um is basically puts a life-saving allergy shot on your wrist. So this was, uh, oh, I'm trying to get the, this is EpiWare. It's a holdable, uh, a foldable epinephrine syringe in a device not much larger than a watch. And basically you just hit the button uh, when you need it. And uh, that's, that's kind of cool. It's pretty awesome. I mean, being able to carry that stuff on you and then not be having, not be having to necessarily like pull it out and then apply it. Um, or yeah. maybe even in safety situations, like if something got really bad, if it was able to pick up your blood meters, or your your I don't know your blood metrics based off of whatever it was measuring, and give you a shot if you needed it, that's pretty awesome too. Yes. All right. What do you have up next? Oh man, this is so I kind of want to catalog how this story grows over the over the year, um, and this is kind of the first the first iteration of it. So in May, we we really break down this story from the. EU Commission, so the European Union Commission, talking about here's the seven, the first seven requirements for right. building ethical AI. So it, it'd be kind of funny to like go back and compare like across what comes out in the states and the, what came out in the EU and how it expanded over the time and what they really mix mash and how they compare. But this is just I think a really big step in the right direction because I mean we we don't necessarily understand what AI is going to be when it gets to generalized intelligence. Why not start thinking about what impacts that'll have now before the technology gets out of your hands? 
Yeah, I'm I'm in my personal list here. I'm down in November and I'm looking for um oh here here's a follow up on that. And uh so here's the department or the Defense Innovation Board uh and their ethical guidelines. So maybe we can go through these in tandem. W- what are the guidelines that you have on yours there, Blake? For sure. Scrolling through it right now. So, all right, I'll start with the top. So, human agency and oversight. So, somebody always has oversight of what's going on. Okay, hold on. Stop there, because I have responsible. Human beings should exercise appropriate levels of judgment and remain responsible for the development, deployment, use, and outcomes of DoD AI systems. There you go. They must add, Tilly. These are probably going to be very, very similar. Probably. Probably. Good choice. So, technical robustness and safety. So it looks like, uh, Mm. what does it say? AI systems must reliably behave as intended while minimizing unintentional and unexpected harm, preventing unacceptable harm to humans and their environment. We do have reliable over here on this other one, uh, which is DoD AI systems should have an explicit, well-defined domain of use, and the safety, security, and robustness of such such systems should be tested and assured across the entire lifecycle within that domain of use. Absolutely. So next up here, I got privacy and data governance. So to kind of break that down a little bit. So AI systems must guarantee privacy and data protection throughout a system's entire life cycle. So, I mean, that's the big one, right? Like one, it can't just be running off and doing its own thing. But two, like facial recognition, you got to protect the data. Yeah, the closest analog to that I have is governable over here on this one. Uh, They should be designed and engineered to fulfill their intended function while possessing the ability to detect and avoid unintended harm or disruption, and for human automated disengagement. It's not quite the same. It's the closest analog I have over here on the side, though. Gotcha. The This is probably my favorite one, and I hope there's an analog in the U.S. version or the DoD version, because this is just transparency. So there's this is this is doesn't have like just a straight up blur, but basically the fact that these AI systems are super complex, they have to be able to, you have to break down the behaviors and know where things are coming from, where outputs are coming from and why they're coming from there. Yeah. Traceable would be the closest analog over here. I think it's a pretty good match. Uh, Technical experts must possess an appropriate understanding of the technology development process and operational methods of its AI systems, including transparent, there it is, and auditable, uh, methodologies, data sources, and design procedure, and documentation. There you go. All right, so the next one up, we got diversity and non-discrimination and fairness. So Equitable. As we, yeah, as we've talked about a bunch, algorithms can be biased depending on the type of data they're fed, so this is ma- really making sure that the data you're feeding these things does not bias them in any kind of direction or another. Yeah, we have equitable over here, where it's... Uh, uh, DOD should take deliberate steps to avoid unintended bias in the development and deployment of combat or non-combat AI systems that would inadvertently cause harm to persons. This next one's kind of interesting. I don't really know how you would monitor this that well, but it's called societal and environmental well-being. Yeah, we got nothing like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, last one up, accountability. So somebody's got to be in charge of this thing or somebody's got to be responsible for it at the end of the day. Yeah, I think we uh, kind of touched on that with the responsible one at uh, on our end. So there's five over here um, and seven over there. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what do you know what the uh, what like the deltas are there? Um, the two th- there was the society one that you mentioned, and then the closest analog I had was governable for. Uh, I think you're number three. I Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Was. What is number three? 
So number three, unfortunately, these are like laid out in the entire article. It's kind of painful. So number yeah. three is transparency. Yeah, that's that's kind of the closest thing we have. Um, anyway, all right. Uh, I guess it's my turn since we spent so much time on that. Uh, let's see here. So t- uh, changing subjects entirely, but Walmart unveiling this new AI-powered store of the future um, where basically it uses uh, can- like a ton of cameras that will indicate to the stockroom like what uh, pieces of merchandise need restocking on the floor um, and uh, a, a couple other fun bits as well. Um, you know, restocking shelves, uh, fresh items sitting in the back too long, you pull them forward, um, you know, basically to help the associates know when to restock products uh, and then this in turn gives the consumer the the knowledge that you know the stuff that's out there is always the freshest um it's always going to be in stock when they arrive so uh, i think you know walmart aside i think using that technology in other um stores could be massively uh beneficial right and i think that would offer some competitive advantage to go to one store over another if i go to a grocery store that i know employs this method right then then i know uh what i need is going to be there if they have it and uh it's going to be on the shelf and and the food i select is going to be the freshest possible it's it's uh makes no it makes complete sense to me yeah i think you could even use it as a way to bring people into the store if you're able to check that stuff in an app and then come and get it that kind of stuff yeah no kidding Oh, man. So this one I was really excited about, although it was launched in London, I think. So five-seater self-flying taxi unveiled in Lilium. So this seemed like another awesome opportunity to get the self-flying car idea off the ground. Uh, But in this case, the concept here was really supposed to be applied to the fact that there's a lot of traffic and maybe this is a way to do ride sharing and actually mitigate some of the, the congestion you see, get people to work on time, that kind of stuff. So I thought it was a great innovative use of some kind of interesting technology so flying car-esque but it's really just a flying taxi um, but then again bringing in automation into it with the self-driving aspect yeah uh flying technology flying flying cars is always a pipe dream right i this 2020 has got to be the year right because we're in the future now well, uh, you know, the NASA stuff is supposed to be approved in the United States for, like, better NAS control for UAS. So maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll see one hopefully. here. Maybe in Arizona they'll test one. Uh, this one was from April. Still, we're in April. Uh, about almost halfway through the year. Scientists pulling speech directly from the brain. Um, this is cool. This was a UC San Francisco uh, neurosurgeon that basically was able to pull out, um, you know, a speech without loss from a, a, a participant's brain. That's pretty amazing. All right, this one's from May as well. So it's Amazon working on a device that can read human emotions. So this one just blew me away because the, the application itself, I think, is really what stops there be stops the interaction with you know voice assistants, robots, whatever it may be. That's an external technology. It break it stops the seamless problem because even with like I'm not gonna say the name but let's say like my vo- voice assistant on my phone I joke about it and my girlfriend gets a kick out of it but often I'm arguing with the phone because she can't understand exactly what I'm trying to say but this takes that a little bit further it's not just understanding what you say it's how you're saying it what does that imply for how you're feeling and then of course you can be a little bit 
there's a little dark side to this because somebody could be, you know, targeting you with specific ads for maybe when he's sad, he likes to eat Reese's or something like that. So you start seeing that. Are you sad? Here's a Reese's peanut butter cup. There you go. See, it could be used for that. <laughs> but I just think it's an awesome way to really take that next step in our relationship with voice assistants, I think. Them being able to understand you as a person. That sounds really yeah. scary. Yeah. Uh, speaking of big tech companies doing scary things, uh, Google is training AI to accommodate uh, to accommodate speech impairments. Um, I guess this isn't really big companies doing something scary, but the technology is cool. Uh, so they are basically, um, you know, partnering to understand. Uh, the, basically, people with ALS can understand their loved ones, right? Like, um. So they're they're training computers to do that. That's incredible. I just yeah. sometimes I like we we do the show, we move on to the next week, and it's great to do a show like this and review some of that stuff because it makes me you know very good for the outlook on twenty twenty because great things are being done with technology. Yeah, it it is. Yeah, I want to be optimistic about twenty twenty. I'm, you know what? I'm going to make it a New Year's resolution to be optimistic about twenty twenty about where we're going. Uh, I think we should do our predictions next week um, about 2020, you know, having a week to sit on all this, like the past trends of like what happened last year, what's going to happen next year. Um, Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. I think it's a great idea. So this was a first of a couple of mishaps that happened throughout 2019 Uh for uh, for Tesla. So Tesla on autopilot slams into a stalled car on the highway. Uh Expect more of this. So this was one of those things where, we again, I think we had to have a weird and tough conversation about it. It's like, well, how do you test stuff at scale? Bad things are going to happen. And it it sucks because you you're seeing like in Arizona, they're obviously allowed to test autonomous vehicles and still even bad things happen in that case. So we're having to deal with this strange dichotomy between we we see this great need for a new technology that's emerging, but there's so many growing pains associated with it that could be dangerous for other people. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there was another story in there. I don't think I actually pulled it, but there was the whole Tesla misreading the road uh, story as well, where um, you know the the device uh, the the machine learning system thought because of the way the lines were paved on the road that uh, the oncoming lane was the actual lane. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah. Uh, my next one here, we kind of talked about earlier, but Uber Uber Elevate plans to deliver Big Macs by drone this summer. We never saw that. We're still waiting. <laughs> the summer of 2020 is coming. I know it's going it to be is, here. It is. We're going to be eating Big Macs this summer. That's- yes. Drop from drones. Yes. All right. Okay, man. So June, I'm in June. And All right. we we already saw like a couple months back in this in last in year that um what do you call it that NASA dropped their final like rules for what the NASA is supposed to do with UAS in them, and then Europe drops theirs there a couple months later. So this again is just a good good set of news for anybody that's looking for that's excited about drone technology for sure. But this is again like helping and seeing how this stuff's going to evolve over time, and. This, of course, Europe kind of up in the ante. I don't know if they did it purposefully or not, but it basically said you have a year to get ready. So we should see this year operators of drones kind of or operators of aircraft having to deal with drones in the NAS. So it should be or in their their airspace anyway in Europe. So that's that's a pretty cool look for 2020. I'm hope I'll have to remember that and put that as a prediction. 
Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, what what drones do in 2020. Um, you know, we're, we're not talking about current news stories, but there was like a drone at CES this week that uh, flies around your house as surveillance. Uh, so like there's some cool stuff going on with drones. I love um, it. There was this article from July. I'm in July now. Uh, with little training, machine learning algorithms can uncover hidden scientific knowledge. Uh, so this was basically like uh, if if there's absolute truths that this algorithm can basically find it. They they use this in the sense of like a um, uh, like a I think it was like a what am I trying to say like rocks like geology uh, to figure out something with geology i'm really spotty on this but but uh basically using ai machine learning to write scientific papers and conduct experiments which finally. was really neat yeah finally we're there no longer do the work to get your master's degree just get AI yep. and do it. <laughs> yep there it is all right so one of my favorite robots of the year came to us in i don't even know july of 2019 so this was moxie so the robot designed to make nurses lives easier so this is like the introduction of the robot into the nursing world to help them out throughout some of their more remedial tasks like you know refilling refilling (coughs) excuse me refilling medication things like that so this was great not because like oh they suck a robot in a hospital and cool but it was actually relatively accepted both by nurses and patients as well so it's it's great that not only are we seeing this technology thrust into the ecosystems it's supposed to be, but the acceptance is actually seems to be there. If I could just listen to a soundbite of you saying thrust all day, I would Thrust. Be... <laughs> there are several people in the office who would really appreciate that. <laughs> oh, uh, good. That's okay. great. Thrust. Yeah, uh, I have one that is kind of a fun one. Um, if you ever wanted to see what bad UI looks like, user in your face. Oh, uh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's user in Y-E-R face. Uh, you can go to that dot com and uh, see what bad UI looks like or, you know, basically a, a website in 2019, now 2020, that has a lot of the annoying um, UI elements. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's the, a fun one to go. go it's one of up. the best. Oh, man. Okay, so like we talked a little bit about BCIs earlier in July, we get a little more information about Elon Musk's Neuralink and kind of its purpose. So looking to outfit the brain with a BCI that's basically going to allow your brain to take in more information and also be able to output a little bit more. So be able to keep up with AI as you're able to learn a little bit more and be able to output that information and apply it. So that was a really awesome story for me because, you know, I'm a bit of a fanboy for the Elon Musk thrust information thrust uh, information into your brain speaking of thrust i promise that was a good segue there was this video of delta airlines uh the engine failing mid-flight where the uh where the cap the like cap of the um thing fell off and just kind of diddled around in there for a little bit like <laughs> just ran around in circles for a minute <laughs> yeah uh so that was that was fun to talk about and um you know What's going on with these pre-flight checks that is happening that makes people go, yep, good, when in fact, not good? Yep, bad. Not good at all. Not good. Yep. Oh, man. So rounding out July, it looks like one of my other medical stories that I really enjoyed was scientists have created an actual prosthetic arm that lets people feel touch. 
So no longer are you just running around and you can't actually feel things and you have to kind of calibrate your prosthetic arm or prosthesis at all. But in this case, we are really able to see how the integration of technology is going to allow you to use some of the nerves in your body combined with an arm to feel and do more micro movements like picking grapes off of a vine or picking out an egg from a basket. It was just an awesome kind of application in the prosthetics in the prosthetics world. Yeah, I had this one on my list too. Um, basically, they have electrodes contained within these um, within the fingertips of this prosthetic arm, and you know the right now the sense that um, folks with prosthetics get is binary. It's I'm touching this, I'm not touching this, and this will give them not only a sense of pressure, but also a sense of text uh, or. Um, tactile feel as well which is really cool and and uh you know i'm i'm super big on giving people their agency back and uh, this is just one more way like to experience something that you thought you would never feel again um is just such a, a cool thing right like let's say you love the feel of velvet or something you know <laughs> and uh you know you you just can't feel it unless it's on your face or something um and now you can feel it with your fingers again. There you go. All right, so this one is from August, and I got so stoked on this particular wearable, right? It was it was more about, because we talked a little bit about, well, something being able to sense your emotions from your voice. Well, what if you didn't have to use your voice at all? So this was a wearable that actually lets you give voice commands without actually saying anything. So it's something that's kind of attached from your the back of your ear to near your jaw, and I guess it's picking up some of the sensations in your face uh, to actually communicate the word that you would be saying if you were verbally communicating it. And I just thought it was an, another insane kind of application of, AI, but also like MIT just taking things to the next level. Yeah. Uh, I'm jumping over to September. And as we round out the year, there might be less and less because of the recency effect. Like we just talked about these. So, um, you know, it might be less. But I do want to bring up this one. Um, Schools are being designed to minimize the number of deaths during mass shootings. And the way that they're going about them is very clever, like curved hallways. So that way the shooter doesn't have a clear line of sight or like these little hidey hole um, kind of interior walls inside the classroom for everyone to line up against the wall and hide. So that way they're out of view from the hallway. Um, There's just a lot of really interesting ways uh, in which they are trying to design schools with these in mind. Obviously, um, you know, school shootings is uniquely American and there's larger issues here, but um you know, as a as a new parent, I find it comforting to know that these schools are being designed with that in mind. Absolutely, I can only imagine. Yep. So S- September also brought us some some fun with drones. So climate activists were actually able to shut down Heathrow last year by flying right. toy drones in the aerospace. So it's one of those instances where we're getting all this regulation and all these kind of rules centered around kind of the UAS and the NAS, but it's not in place yet. So now we got people that are flying their own personal drones causing havoc in this case. So it's just it was an interesting dichotomy of what we talk about of like if you put the regulation in, we'll have all these awesome things, but right now without that regulation, you you have like the potential to cause havoc and in this case shut down an entire airport right yeah i think okay so the last the last thing i have uh is from november so if you have a couple other ones blake that you want to go through i'm happy to do that 
Um, but this is the last one that I found super interesting is that the uh, the researchers were able to hack Siri, Alexa, and Google Home by shining lasers onto them and basically giving them commands um, via light. And uh, basically the, the light is acting as if it were sound and uh, you're able to give it controls like open up the garage, start my Tesla, you know, like those are those are interesting things that you could do. And uh, the security concerns uh, with that are are really interesting. So keep I think they've been patched since. But, you know, just in case, keep them away from the windows. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is probably one of my favorite stories of the year. And it, it kind of ties back to something we talked about. Well, Blake, that's what we're doing. We're doing favorite stories of the year. So I'm glad you picked one. That's <laughs> no. This is like this is the best one to me at all. That came okay, out. this is this is Blake's top story of the year. Yeah. So this was okay. artificial intelligence detecting heart failure from just one heartbeat with 100 percent accuracy. Ah, uh, yes. This so, was crazy. Yeah. This kind of integration of both AI, like in tandem with machine learning and good data sets from what you can get from an e- ECG was incredible, but I think the application of the ability of AI to do this based off of the information that it has, has such wide-reaching applications, like from putting it in Fitbits or whatever your fitness tracker of choices that's kind of taking in your heartbeat, to, you know, being able to have people hooked up to machines in the hospital and pick up like, oh, wow, that's an irregular heartbeat that could lead to heart failure in moments and save somebody's life. So, the application of AI inside of kind of like the hospital or medical setting was just a really awesome thing to see. And I think I'll have a lot of cool playouts over the next year. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say one more, which was that uh, U.S. Air Force's jet-powered robotic wingman. I thought that was a fun conversation to talk about. Um, I'm not going to rehash it here because we did just talk about it a couple weeks ago. Um, but uh, but the whole idea of having an AI wingman is is a pretty neat one. It's pretty epic. I can't wait to hear a little bit more about that as as time unfolds. Uh, Blake, did you have any other stories that you want to talk about briefly? I think I think that's really it. I like to end it on the nice um, the nice AI story dealing with healthcare. That's kind of my favorite of the year. All right. Well, we ended it with Blake's favorite story. Um, you know what that means? I think that's going to be it for today. Uh, you know what though? Genuinely, let us know if. Uh, you like these kind of recap shows let us know what you think of us going through and recontextualizing these things in uh, in the context of the entire year and talking about them kind of at that higher level is it useful do you like them do you not like them is it worth it for us to do this in the beginning of the year i i personally find enjoyment of it but if our listeners are not getting anything out of it then why are we doing it um you know let us know at humanfactorscast.com. You can email us, show at humanfactorscast.com. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, you can leave us a review, and please do. Uh, we got some reviews that were less than favorable. That uh, well, We got one that we're kind of salty about. But go leave us some reviews. If you, if, if you have listened to the show up until this point, please go leave us a review. <laughs> yeah, let us know what you think. What, I mean, it, it helps us Positive out either way. Negative. Yeah. Yeah, we're just two bros, just trying to make our way in the world. Dude, we're just represent the field. Of, represent the field of human factors. Uh, you know what? If if uh, if you like what you hear and uh, you know want to support us in other ways, we will always take your money. Um, you know, come join us on Patreon, and of course, you can always reach us at our home on the web, humanfactorscast.com. Mr. Blake Garnsdorf, thank you for a wonderful 2019. I'm looking forward to a fabulous 2020 with you. Where can our listeners go and find you? they want to talk about your favorite story of the year oh i'm so stoked you guys can always reach me in the human factors cast slack 
Um, but you can also find me across social media at Don't Panic UX. And as for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning into Human Factors Cast. Genuinely, it means the world to us. Until next time, it depends. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.